Hello, Soul Fam. I could not be more thrilled than what I currently am to bring you this new Ceremony Circle podcast episode. First of all, I'm your host, Allison Charles Story, and I'm also the best-selling author of Animal Power Book and Deck. And I meant what I said about my excitement. And I mean what I say when I say that this interview that you're about to hear is hands down, single-handedly, the most powerful interview I have ever done. Yes, it was powerful for me in some ways, but I'm talking this one is for the record books and this one serves all, all of humanity, all living beings across all time and space, serving for all of the highest, greatest earthly good. And I've never actually asked you all to share or post about a Ceremony Circle episode ever, but I'm asking you to do it for this one, fam, as we voyage today with Dogon High Priest Naba Irita Shenmira. And I'm mostly going to let the medicine and transmissions come straight out from our time together. But I will preface a touch by saying that Naba Irita Shenmira is the son of the late Master Naba. And Master Naba began his spiritual initiations at the age of eight. His initiatic masters realized that he was a great reincarnation and prepared him to be a prophet. And Master Naba eventually achieved the highest rank of priesthood. And as a Dogon high priest and master healer, he traveled extensively from temple to temple, increasing his spiritual knowledge and dedicating his life to cultural activism. He is revered worldwide as an authority in the fields of healing, spirituality, astronomy, parapsychology, metaphysics, sociology, psychology, philosophy, geomancy. He spoke 13 different languages and dedicated his life to educating people on humanities original spiritual principles and practices. And now his son, Naba Iratash and Mira, who so generously sits here with us today, carries on these potent legacies, including sharing with all humans here on earth, these ancient practices and ways of their people that haven't been shared for nearly 3000 years. This episode holds the truths of shamanism, and much more around Dogon ancient healing rituals that they now, like I said, share with all of humanity because at the forefront of what they teach, they know and proclaim that these sacred ways are for all. And we also chat about in the Bioli earth energy readings, the priests use the science of reading the earth's energies, which is over 70,000 years old, originating in the oldest temples in Africa. We dive into the concept of time and their calendar system and how it relates to human purpose, being fed by the earth and destinies intertwined. We talk Dogon divination and the concept of ancestral awareness through divination, links and the truths to the pyramids. We talk traditional cleansing and healing rituals and how you can learn certain types of meditations that are humanity's original forms of meditation used in the temples of the Nile Valley by the priests. And you should know that the Naba lineage itself are referred to as the intermediaries between humans and the divine world. So let's get into it, shall we? Here we grow with the mission to reunite humanity through the comedic teachings of the Dogons with Dogon High Priest Naba Irita Shenmira.
Okay, Soul Fam, it has been a long time since I have been this excited for a Ceremony Circle interview, and I want to thank you, Dogon High Priest Naba Iritashan Mira. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I wanted to give you an offering. I felt called when I was tuning in this morning for just honoring you and your family's lineage and your ancestry and just all of the incredibly powerful work that your family's line has done for thousands and thousands of years. Yes. I thought a gift of feathers just felt most appropriate to, to well, offer. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Receive it with honor. Mm. Yeah, it was honor. Mm, thank you. And I want to just start with what I just said about your family's line. You know, it's holds such the most ancient medicine of all of humanity. And so we could have a whole interview just talking about this one thing. Yes. I have some notes here and I'll share a little bit and then correct me if any of this is not accurate. But I have, since the beginning of civilization, every family has been entrusted with a specialty, enabling its members to heal a specific ailment or make a specific contribution toward the survival or well-being of all of humanity. Since then, the Naba bloodlines have been known as the shrine or temple keepers, holding the responsibility for all activities regarding astronomy, comedic science, philosophy, spirituality, and geomancy. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correct. That's correct. Yay, okay. <laughs> yeah, just share more. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me, Alison, and uh, to everyone listening. Thank you very much. I'm uh, very, I mean, just more than honored to really be sharing this. As he said, this is the period for sharing. You know, we are in the era where the West, the East, the North, the South, you know, up and down. We just have to get to that point where we have to go past all of the differences, go past all of the belief and all of the, you know, intentions and just kind of uh, from one heart to another heart, from heart to heart, from love to, you know, good care, attention, you know try to share, you know, what everybody has. There's no uh, such civilization or no such group of people throughout the history of human being where we can say, like, we don't have the good and the bad. You know, every human being, every civilization, every group of people somehow have this side where, you know, it's good and this side where, like, it's not actually perfect, but which actually make those civilization, those people like who they are and all of that. So that kind of come to define our history, you know, our life, you know, that we live in, that we've been living on this planet. It's going to continue that way. It's going to continue that way because every time there is a new birth, every time there is a new life coming into this, you know, reality that we call, you know, our life, we call the earth. All of that will come with an agenda. They will come with a goal. They will come with, you know, something objective that they have to really, you know, contribute as a entity or as also individual part of this dimension, part of this reality. Uh, throughout the history, our lineage, we are called the Dogon. The original concepts is uh, really the, the bomb, meaning the landlords. 
in our language, it will translate to the landlord. Why do we really call ourselves the landlord? It's just uh, a way of uh, manifesting that aspect of uh, our tribe, that aspect of our lineage that has been maintaining, that has been keeping the original ways of uh, believing, the original ways of uh, perceiving, you know, existing, the original ways of uh, approach of time and space that, you know, somehow uh, through uh, mouth to hear, through father to son, through mother to daughter, have been kind of, you know, passing down through, you know, older generation to the younger generation. I've been kind of passing down to, you know, through our, our tribe and then our lineages and all of that. But when we speak about the Dogon, it's a very big group of people. Where we live, you know, across, you know, the western part of uh, Africa, you know, in between the Sahara Desert and uh, the, you know, the sea, you know, the west coast of uh, the Atlantic. For so many years and so many generations, uh, we've been hiding ourselves. We've been hiding for many reasons due to what our elders, our ancestors experienced in the past. You know, in the past, you know, we were ordered to kind of hide, you know, to hide. And then I keep the archives kind of, you know, flowing in, uh, you know, in the lines and all of that through the right of passages, through the right of, uh, I mean, through the, the initiation camps and all of that. Every child at the age of seven, eight, nine, ten has to really enter the initiation camps that, you know, where they get to really go through the rite of passage to acquire all of the things that have been preserved for a long time by those before us. We are known to be uh, also the upper echelon in the field of, uh, you know, astronomy in the field of, uh, you know, spirituality, in the field of uh, geomancy, you know, and uh, astrophysics and all of that. A lot of people were surprised that how, you know, our people managed to really, you know, achieve those kind of uh, things in their life, you know, at the time where there wasn't any modern technology, as we call it. And then I mean, I'll, I tell people like this, we have our own technology that might not look like the modern technology, but we have our own technology as well that we can call to be our indigenous, you know, technology that, you know, we were, were used to kind of, uh, you know, approach life, approach time and, you know, space. So at some point, every human being within, when you look inside you, you will see that the blood that is running, you know, in your vein, is uh, almost like a river, you know, that flows and never stops flowing, you know. That river does not know, you know, the concept of time or space, that meaning like time and space does not really stop it. It's not like a parameter to that river, you know. And then uh, receiving that blood from uh, our our mothers, our, you know, fathers, you know, who receive it from their mothers and the fathers who receive it from mothers and fathers and, you know, keep going up to the beginning of the history, how everything started on earth. We came to realize that every history of uh, a human being that carried that blood in the vein somehow ended up being encrypted in the blood. It ended up being encrypted in the blood to the point where, you know, uh, at some point, our forefathers were able to understand the mystery of uh, what we call the blood, you know, in uh, in our 
bodies. And then they saw it being uh, actually the most magnetic, you know, force that exists within us, which, you know, once activated, it kind of creates that magnetic forces and then actually at the same time activates all of the other ancient, you know, ways of things and all of that, you know, we have the tendency to think like, oh, this member of my family was bad. This member of my family was an assassin. This member of my family was this, was that. But somehow when you are in this body, that's only where we have the concept of good and bad. But once you leave this body and then you are like a spirit, you're just a spirit. And then just being a spirit, actually every history that everyone who carries this blood you know, went to, that history is within you. So if I take example, everything my forefathers did in my lineage from the beginning all the way to now, all of that is uh, within me. And then uh, when we say, uh, you know, know yourself, that concept was taken by the Greeks in uh, our te- from our temples in, uh, in Egypt at some point, in the temples in Egypt at some point, and they translated wrong. They understood that concept so wrong. Because know yourself does not mean like emotionally or sentimentally, you know, all of that, trying to really understand who you are. How can some, how can human beings understand who they are when they don't even know the history of the blood that's running their veins? Because that's all that is about our life. You know, for us to say that we live, it's because of, uh, you know, that organ, the heart pumping that blood every day, every second that we wake up, we sleep, you know, it's just kind of, you know, function. Even when we go to sleep, our blood still functioning, you know, and so and so. So technically for us, you know, at uh, our temples, then when, you know, the Greeks also were coming to, you know, uh, study and then be initiated, the concept of know yourself was really about uh, every human being understanding the blood, understanding what they carry as a being. Not just as a, you know, not just as a spirit, you know, but as a being, what do you have that you carry? To the point where at some point in our temple, we find out that every human being is carrying the whole history of their lineage. All your lineage, you know, you're carrying that history. Now within that history, you know, how can you benefit from uh, everything that is encrypted in your blood? that is kind of so magnetic, so powerful, that can probably activate it and then allow you not to be able to, you know, evolve, uh, to be able to, you know, elevate, to be able to harmonize yourself with all of the other realities that exist. I'm sure, you know, everything uh, our forefathers went through, your forefathers went through, you will be going through the same thing. So almost like a cycle where, like, we've been given you know, an opportunity to recorrect the cycle and make it perfect every time life goes. Because just look in the universe, everything has orbits that it functions based on. So human being, our blood is also like a, a, a cycle, a river, and a cycle, and then it goes and comes and goes and comes. Yeah, we were able to understand the power of uh, the blood. The power of the blood in every human being is uh, so incredible to the point where like everything about our life has to really depend on uh, that power, you know, and acknowledging that power. So for us, the Dogon, everything our ancestors really built, everything they were able to achieve from uh, the non-material 
you know, aspect of life to the material aspect of life has been encrypted in the bloodline to the point where in each lineage, to the point where at some point we all come to realize that, you know, uh, my forefathers were German, my forefathers were carpenters, my forefathers were, you know, my blood is about uh, understanding the element fire, my blood is about understanding the element air, my blood is about understanding the element water, uh, so and so and so. So depending on all of that, from the natural, universal aspect of uh, things to the natural aspect of things to even the you know human aspect of things like society, everyone has something that they have to focus on at some point in time. You know during uh, the the time of the pharaohs, where like uh, those people end up the upper echelon of every lineage then end up becoming what we call today the Dogon, meaning like a group of uh, uh, people that were known to be like special and to be like high, you know, knowledgeable in a certain field and all of that. So my lineage was more even in the shamanic and the, the priesthood, meaning the relation between the visible and the invisible. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And I have a thousand questions from everything that you just said. So I got to just bear with me because I'm tracking a lot. I resonate so much with the Dogon. I resonate so much with the Earth Center, your foundation that you have. When I started to read a little bit more about Kemet, I was like, ooh, this is the truth. This is who I am. This is who we all are. Um, So I want to start with that. But then the question that arose from this was, I have been in this field of wanting to connect with the two words that have been coming into me are origin seed, origin seed, the original seed. It's like this message for me to link into that, get back to that, help usher others back into that space, origin seed, origin seed. And when I had Ashel Seasons on the podcast, who I think you met or know, when he did his closing ceremony, he, as you probably know, he's a master musician, plays all these instruments. And he said, what do you want me to sing about? And when I tuned in, I said, origin seed, something about origin seed in Africa. And so he Mm -hmm. sang a song about Africa and the origin seed. And then he was the one who connected me. I saw him post about you and um, he said he would be good for your podcast. And so I'm just starting to see the beautiful weaving and web of the divine bringing you and I together because now I'm sitting with origin seed. I'm sitting with that call that has been whispering in to my field for so many months now. So thank you to great spirit and great mother earth. And thank you to our souls for saying yes to sitting here. It's just, it's a really deep spiritual matter for me to be having this conversation. And then in my meditation today, I had the curious pondering of, did shamanism birth from comedic science? Like was shamanism after or are they interwoven yeah this is a uh, actually actually the you know actually the really great guy you know and i really feel honored to really uh come to cross path with him then uh, from there you know meeting you very honored at the same time too <laughs> one of the disadvantages that we have right now as a human being living on earth is uh that disconnection 
with uh, that original sin. You know, every human being happened to be, you know, especially in the modern society, we happen to be disconnected to, you know, that reality of us, which uh, kind of forces, you know, the human being has to be kind of wandering, which forces the spirit of the human being to be wandering, you know, try to really discover that. But technically, the original seed that we all are looking for is actually what you call the shamanism. That's what you call the spirit. That's what you call the magnetic force that exists, you know, in each one of us through our lineage and all of that. Let's put it so simple, right? Uh, imagine, you know, today is the beginning of the world and uh, we meet and somehow we have to, you know, decide what we want, the role we want to play in uh, in the world, you and I. And, uh, you know, you decide, you know, I want to be, you know, in touch with uh, the invisible aspect of, uh, you know, the the invisible aspect of uh, reality. And then I will be like, well, that's good. I want to be, you know, part of the people that kind of will help build the reality. You get to manifest the invisible aspect of it that allow me to manifest, you know, the you know, material, you know, the visible aspect of it, right? So at the end, when our children, when, you know, we will go, we will, time will keep going, our children will have that seed, no matter what. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to disappear. It's not going to be fading. It's going to be with those children in their vein. Even thousands of years later, they will still have that will, that will that you and I, you know, manifested. And then to even say, I think in a good English, to say like somebody manifested the will, it comes with the concept of, uh, you know, manifesting something from the heart that actually can be manifested in nature, can be manifested on earth, right? So the original seed is uh, that you have, that what you have in your blood, that's uh, actually speaking to you. It will have to be speaking to you from inside. It's not going to speak to you from outside. And speaking to you from inside, then you're going to have to really manifest it from, you know, from inside out. And then that's when you really kind of start seeing in nature, nature kind of unfolding itself, you know, to kind of show you the direction that you have to be taken. So every human being disconnecting is really the problem. But once we force ourselves to reconnect with uh, what is, uh, you know, kind of the oldest thing within us. One of the oldest things within every human being is the blood mm. that you receive from your ancestors, you receive from your, those who carry that blood before you. So once you connect with it, what you're doing is like you allowing all of the manifestations that happened before, you know, you were born to kind of now be within you and then manifest themselves. So that original seed is uh, actually one of the reasons why our temples were given us the permission, our elders and royalties were given us the permission to now go out in the modern society, go out in the world and, uh, you know, cry out loud for the whole humanity to understand that it's uh, about that time for every human being to reconnect with uh, the self to connect with that original seed that we all now looking outside of ourselves while that thing is just like inside ourselves. 
Yes. Amen. Ashe, aho, all the things to that. With what you just brought up about you all, and especially your father, who I definitely at some point want to honor and bring into our conversation, Master Naba. Um, I read about a bit about his history and it's pretty mind blowing his path and his his mission here on earth connecting the world seen and unseen and all of the duties with with that but i'm so intrigued before we get to him this idea that after 2500 years i believe it was your dad who received the instruction to begin to bring the Dogon and Kemetic teachings back to all, all of humanity, back to the West. And I can understand for many reasons why for those thousands of years, why it needed, why those ancient wisdoms needed to be kept close to just your specific line um, so that they could be carried on. But now here we sit and you have this foundation where anyone has an open invitation all of humanity it has it it does not matter your gender your race none of that matters all are invited it's an open invitation for people to lean into the courses the teachings and the initiations of of your people and i guess my curiosity is why do you think the invitation came this lifetime is there a clear answer as to why now yeah i mean it's uh let me say you know uh john you know to you and then honor the spirit of uh you know my father Masanaba, uh lamusa mojana big for you know the courage because it takes a lot of uh, courage it takes a lot of courage to leave your village to travel to a place where you don't have family you don't have anyone but you're just traveling only with uh, the confidence of uh, you having something that the whole world is in need of. And then uh, you know that, you know, traveling to, you know, the places where you'll be traveling to, to share whatever you have, not everybody will have time to stop and then listen to you. And then not everybody will have the time to really kind of, you know, uh, accept what you bring in because now you come into a world where everything is disconnected with uh, nature and you come to teach people how to connect with nature you come into the world where everybody is disconnected to mother earth and uh, where everybody think like you know it's the moon it's the sun it's uh, all of the other galaxies or constellation thousands of thousands of miles away from the from them are the things that they want to depend on to evolve they want to believe to be the reason why they will be evolving. And then they forget that they're standing on uh, one other planet. They wake up, the planet Earth feeds them, the planet Earth takes care of them, the planet Earth, you know, will give them everything. But somehow no one is uh, paying attention to connect with that planet before thinking about connecting to the rest, you know. And uh, you come to the world where uh, human being is taught to disconnect with uh, you know, family, to disconnect with, uh, when I say family, for us in our culture, family is not just the living being that you see every day. Family is even like those who already pass away, those who already transition, because we believe like they might not be in the body and they are in the spirit, 
where to the point where every now and then they will come and be around. They will come and visit us. They will come and knock at the door and see what we're doing, how we're feeling. So in that kind of uh, you know reality, Masanaba was very courageous, and uh, I can see how intelligence, you know, how intelligent he was to even take it in the way that you know he wasn't excluding anyone because. One thing people don't understand about some indigenous people, and especially you know our our people, is that anything that we we've been preserving for over you know two twenty five hundred years now that we've been preserving and then making sure we don't lose it, we don't lose its integrity, making sure it's kind of you know maintain its uh, power and you know manifestation. Uh, it doesn't belong to the Dogon. We're just the guardian. We're just those that support. We're just like the keep safe, the keepers that need to keep it safe. Mm. It's for the humanity. Because everything that we share, if you check very well on our website, in our organization, you will see that everything we share is for humanity. Since the beginning of humanity, there have been people who dedicated their lives, their generations and their, you know, uh, descendants and ascendants and all of that to maintain the integrity and preserve the history of human life on earth, human manifestation on earth. So we don't, it doesn't belong to us. We we really feel happy when people see a Dogon and everything that comes out of our mouth, everything we share, our wisdom, our ways, our way of life, our spirituality, our, everything that we, our achievement, that everything our ancestors achieved, when people see us and then they really manifest that kind of uh, happiness about maybe we are lucky. I mean, somebody who is in charge of uh, protecting such a thing that you can lose some easily, is, uh, you're not going to tell the person that the person is lucky to be a Dogon. You're just going to be like a word, uh, pitiful job for you to be the one to be keeping something like this and then actually making sure it's remain the way it is. Because it's not easy. And that's the reason why we have to really hide. That's the reason why we have to choose to be living. Our people have to choose to be living in the places where human beings have difficulty reaching. Like, you know, living in the desert, living in the Sahara, living on top of the cliffs and all of that. It wasn't like a, a choice it wasn't like uh, what we want, you know, to live. We want to also live next to the sea and then have the beach and then we go to the beach. We want to live like next to the forest and then we don't need to struggle to farm and feed ourselves. But somehow for the preservation of uh, the human heritage, we have to do that. And our sister had to do that. So please, I want, you know, everybody will be listening to us and watching us to understand that the real reason why my father was given the permission to come out and then a share is because we cannot continue preserving it in our savannah, in our villages, in the savannah, in our cliffs and all of that because somehow the human being civilization is evolving so fast to the point where we don't know the direction in which we're going. We talk about development we talk about all of the superpower countries developing other countries and all of that, all of that. But we don't know the direction we're going, toward destination. 
No one knows. It's just like we're moving forward to into the invisible that we don't even have what it takes to even pierce the invisible to penetrate because we base everything on science. We base everything on modern technology. So things that only, or fields, that only depend on things that you can feel, things that you can touch, things that, you know, has to be like uh, in the three-dimensional reality for them to approve it, for them to feel like, okay, the uh, modern society can approve this. But anything that is past the three dimension, and then it's like in the fourth dimensional reality, where you don't, you have to have like a, a greater magnetic, you know, resonance to be able to feel it. You have to have like the seed in you, in your blood, manifesting themselves for you to perceive the invisible. No one in the modern society will allow you to come and stand, have a podium to manifest that, unless the person is called. So, Masanava was given the permission because the prophecy, we have our prophecy that for thousands of years that we've been keeping. And that prophecy forced all of us to hide ourselves. And then the time will come when the permission will be given, the right time will come when the permission will be given for you know us to come out and then uh, call every human being and say, you know what, we're moving to a direction that we might know the direction, but we don't know the destination. But also our ancestors as human ancestors, the whole humanity ancestry has preserved these for us in case we want to forget. At least if you don't know where you're going, you should know where you're coming from. Mm. So because we are going into the, into the reality that is unknown, that we don't know, even our politicians, our government don't know where they're taking us. Our scientists don't know where they're taking us. It's almost like redefining life every day. Every day we have to be redefining life, you know, in our modern society. So somehow, let's all of us reconnect with uh, the past, which will allow us to activate all of the seeds, activate mm. all of the things that we have, that now will allow us to see clear where ah, we're going and ah. then uh, what tools do we need to go there. So that's really the mission of uh, my father and that's what I'm continuing to do while I'm here. Ooh-wee, yes. <laughs> I was feeling that one. Yeah. I started seeing all the dots connecting right. and if I had my rattle here next to me, I would You're be just rattling. Like the, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Oof. I'm just kind of letting that bit of that transmission land in me and land with everyone who's joining us and listening because there was some incredibly potent, powerful dots being connected. Like I saw the whole web, but I saw it go back to that origin seed and then all through infinity and like just calling us all to this line. Okay, very, very powerful. It's like the circle coming together again. Yeah. Like one end, which we don't know at least, the other end that we get to know, you know, connecting the two actually is like easily, it's like plugging your computer to the, you know, to the electricity yes. and then just the brightness will be there, light will be there. Ooh. Oh God, I'm feeling it so deep. It's like, it's taken me like all the way into my cells. Um, so, yeah. so good. I really, I really feel the transmission Thank there. You. 
So before we get into some specific questions that I have about the earth energy readings and pyramids and all of that, I want to take a moment to honor your father a little bit more because I feel it's important to share a bit more about his incarnation and the tasks he was given. I, you know, have his bio here on my notes, but who better to hear a bit more than the, than the son uh, being you. So if you could share I know he achieved the highest rank of priesthood and he traveled from temple to temple and spoke more than 13 languages. I mean, I was really astounded with what I read, but if you could tell a bit more about his assignment here. Yeah. My father was a Gurumanche, and in the Dogon tribe that's in the eastern northern part of, uh, you know, Burkina Faso, between Mali and Burkina Faso and Niger. And uh, our people lived for preservation and all that we live around rivers you know like uh, one of the big river around there is called the joliba river or niger river his uh grandfather uh, was uh, a very you know it's a line of priesthood that's where we are so his grandfather is very knowledgeable was very knowledgeable in uh, what we call them time science or the earth energy you know reading he was very connected and has the knowledge of uh, you know piercing the mystery using the memory of the earth, going into the memory of the earth. You know, like uh, if there's anything that we want to know, like that happened 15 years, 10,000 years ago, the earth still have that memory. It's still within the memory of the earth, we can, you know, pierce the mission and find that. So because of his ability and his uh, predisposition to have that quality, he decided he was traveling. He will be called everywhere. The kingdoms will be inviting him to come solve either spiritual, either, you know, physical problems, you know, social problems that everybody was going through in their life then. You know, so he will be traveling a lot. So at some point he traveled to Burkina, uh, from what we call today Burkina Faso, because at that moment in their time, it was kingdoms. We didn't have like the imaginary lines that the, the Berlin Conference, you know, decided to cut countries and all of that. So... Somehow he will be traveling, and then he found himself in Togo, where he was able to settle. You know, northern Togo, which is also like part of the Gulmu. We call it the Gulmu Kingdom. You know, he was part of that. So from there, he had uh, my father's father. You know, he had my father's father, and then my father's father will grow up there to become a very knowledgeable healer. By the way, my father's father was born around the time where the French were coming to colonize those countries over there, our people over there. So he was forced to go to colonial school, to go to French school. So he went to French school, but also maintained his education, initiatic education in the family, in his traditions and all of that. So he ended up becoming a very, you know, well-known doctor, if I may say that, even shaman, you know, healer and all of that. So he will die early, you know. So my father was less than two years old when his father passed away. And uh, when his father passed away, you know, he was the mother, you know, to take care of him and uh, all of that. So already at the beginning of his uh, life, he was already kind of being challenged, facing a lot of challenges, which at the same time we looked at it as something that was uh, forming him, initiating him to something big. So by the time he's 15, you know, he decided to travel. Because, you know, watching your grandmother, watching your mother, 
you know, struggling every day to make both ends meet to take care of you and then your sibling and all of that. He has a, a big brother and then younger sister. The younger sister was very young when, like maybe a few months old, when the father died. So the two of them really went through that uh, aspect of their life where like you don't envy them for that. But somehow by age of 15, he decided like he has to take his journey. Then he will be traveling from temple to temple, from village to village, and places where he arrived, where he has to be helping elders to farm, to get some to eat or to, you know, help them in their, you know, farm and their work to get some to eat. He will do that but at the same time, asking whatever he needs to learn from them and then taking his time to learn from them and all of that. So to make the story short, he ended up traveling by by the age of 25 to, no, by the age of 35, he traveled 128 countries. 128 countries, sometimes by foot, sometimes by, you know, by place, sometimes by car, you know, sometimes by, you know, bicycle and all of that. So he did all of that. As he's traveling, he's growing, he's receiving his uh, mission in life at the same time. So every place he went to, every temple he went to, every village, he stopped to see the elders or the royalties and all of that. They saw in him that light, you know, that uh, the one was indeed at this point. And that he decided to just, you know, dedicate himself to that. He tried to start, you know, this uh, cultural and spiritual revolution from uh, Africa, from his own country. But that's the time where, you know, the colonial power and imperialist power was so strong. And uh, it wasn't easy. And to his uh, own words, he said, you know, I saw, you know, the colonial power is here calling themselves superpower country, trying to colonize my people and then asking us to abandon everything that we have to embrace what they bring in. But, you know, let's at least take a chance to travel. We'll see. So it's better to travel and come to the colonial countries to see what's happening before we can accept, you know, what you're bringing up. Uh, he came and he's like, now nah. he went back and then he reported to the royalty like, uh, we have to speed up this process of prophecy and uh, open the gates. Reopen the temples, reopen the gates, allow the divinities, allow the spirit, the great spirit to understand that we can wait for the time that they were projecting for the regeneration, the reawakening to happen. We have to do it you know, sooner than, you know, we were expecting because. Talk about needing to trust yourself, you know, yeah. to say like, hey, we thought this, but I'm clear that we got to change it up. Thank That's you. some deep trust. That's deep. Like for a whole culture, a whole, you know, group of people for one human being to say that. And then, uh, you know, once he said it, you know, all of the royalties and dignitaries have to enter into the divination again. So they took time to really go through the divination and they saw that he's right because the way the Western, you know, power is coming on, uh, you know, the indigenous power realities and powers and, you know, that will make sure like we will cease to exist. And once we right. cease to exist, almost a humanity lost everything that connected to the origin. Yes. So that was the reason oh why gosh. he was given that mission. It 
It's so trippy to me and just bear with me as I try to put words to what I just saw, yeah. but okay, hang on. Cause it's so powerful. So I want to try to articulate it. Oh my gosh. It's just so wild. It's like these paradigms, not like collapsing on each other, but like at the same time that your father is getting this clarity that this origin seed wisdoms and truths need to be shared. It's like he knows they need to be shared with the exact people that are trying to cut it off and kill it off. Yet it's. You got it. That's a, that's it from his own word. Let us take this that they say that we need to abandon. Take it to them. And then we call it, uh, at some point, he started speaking about the concept of investing, investment of knowledge. Over there, he said over there, the Western society knows about investing money. They don't know about uh, the investment of wisdom or the investment of knowledge. But with that concept, we can go back there and invest what we've been preserving while they have focused on forcing us to abandon our ways. Let's go invest that in their own land. And then somehow by the time we get to lose everything, at least their societies over there already have it, even to come back and then maybe, you know, give it back, say, oh, we were wrong. Jeez, it's this is like where we're at right now. What we're talking about right now is probably my most favorite and most powerful thing I've ever exchanged conversation in. Thank you very much, Alison. Thank you. Oh my God. It's just like, I get it. It's like my soul is like erupting and expanding even as we speak. And, and I can affirm, you know, being someone who was born over here in the US, I, I don't want to spend much time talking about myself, but it's just been interesting for me having my awakening and divine intervention, realizing who I really am, how my mission is to be brought forth. And as a shaman over here in the US and being instructed to bring it to the masses, especially through media, through interviews through television through writing books through being in magazines and i have gladly accepted that duty and that call but holy moly you know to be more at the forefront of doing that task over here in the u.s it's been really wild and i and i do want to you know give credit there are so many people over here who have especially over the last decade are, are opening up yeah it's happening but wow, I mean, it's it's such a wild time to be incarnated and alive. I mean, you you have to you have to be proud of uh, yourself. Any human being right now in this reality, in this era, who already understood the self and found the self, and then uh, listen to the spirit and the divine, you know, manifestation, divine emanation, you know, uh, between well, within them. You have to be lucky because uh, those are what at some point you know you'll be calling the you know pathfinders the truth tellers the prophets because somehow we just come to live a life where we want to shine something shine the light make the light shine on uh, 
some aspect of our humanity forward, you know, for the future generation, for the future, you know, of uh, our existence. And it's an honorable, you know, position to be in. That's a very honorable position to be in, to be one of the people, you know, that understand the spirit and then uh, trying to invest it, whatever you understand from the spirit, investing within the the human and then all of the indigenous, you know, people that I come across, you know, when I travel around as a dogon, you know, I meet a lot of people. I tell them we are the in the air. I don't know what your prophecies are saying, but understand that our prophecy is saying this is the time where we need to start planting. We are in that era from like uh, you know, since two thousand, I think two thousand ten, you know, we've been traveling and informing everybody the time of uh, the time to plant is coming. Now start, mm-hmm. you know, fixing your land, start, you know, start kind of, you know, removing whatever needs to move and prepare the land because you're gonna have to plant. And after the planting, we'll be seeing how to weed and then how to manage and then how to harvest and all of that. This is the time. We're we're in some strong weeding times exactly, right now. Exactly. A lot a lots of lots of weeds coming mm-hmm, up, looking at the roots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, lots of excavation. So beautiful. So oh, I'm trying to keep an eye on time. I you're someone who I could literally <laughs> never stop talking to. Thank you. I went to uh, some of your websites. I ordered some of the books oh. that you have from your publishing company. Nice. They're on the way. They said they're they're heading here. Okay. Very excited. And I also looked at some of the initiations that you offer and the different yeah. courses. So it's really resonating with me. So I plan to continue to lean into the teachings. And because I received that message of origin seed, I'm yeah. now more clearly understanding uh, why and to go into these origin seed practices that you all teach and so yes. generously share. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to touch on some of those just to send open up that that wave to all who are listening would you like to start with talking a little bit about the Bayouali energy reading yes okay yes uh thank you <laughs> very excited you'll be you'll be very happy you know when you receive those products yeah the Bayouali from uh, our language it's a, almost like a channel you know how Newton spoke about, uh, it wasn't Newton who spoke about gravity. I don't know, I'm not really. So speaking about gravity and uh, meaning introducing the concept of when you throw something in the air, it has to come back to the earth, is uh, something that was uh, half understood by, you know, modern, you know, perception because we see the plants, we don't see the plants growing down. We see the plants growing up. Mm. We see mm. the mountains growing up. We see everything that every grain that we throw on the earth, we see the grain will grow out. Even though the roots are in there, but it has to grow from somewhere uh, to go up, you know. And uh, we see a human being being born and uh, you lay on your back, you know, and then at some point you learn how to roll over and at some point you learn how to, you know, sit. Sometimes you learn how to, you know, go, and sometimes you learn how to stand up and then at some point you stand up and then you just walk. You learn to walk. After learning how to walk, you learn how to run. When you look at human being, you know, physically, the way we are built, there's no reason. There's no good explanation why we can stand up that way 
with the way we, I mean, that's on our feet, you know, ankles, knees, and then lower back, and then, uh, you know, spinal, and then the neck and all of that. So it's like normally you're supposed to move your head and then you can fall. You do that with uh, anything that you can create. You can just create a human being in a piece of wood. We leave them that way. A wind will blow and then they will fall. Anything will shake and they will fall. You just touch them and they're going to fall because they're not really connected if it is not connected to something. But somehow our ancestors understood that the human being has uh, two main energetic channels that maintain them. And uh, no, the one that is called gravity is uh, actually the one that we will call Bayuali. And uh, there's the second one that's called the, you know, Yenu. Meaning the Bayuali is uh, a channel through which the earth emits energies. So any living being, you know, any living being that lives, from the time you are born, the earth creates this energy core within its energy core it creates a space for you it creates or uh, some kind of bubble for you where you fit in there and then it feeds your energy you know it feeds you through that so you have your identity within it so wow. all of us come into life as uh, entities all right we come as entities the plants also are entities the mountains are entities animals are entities so once the earth creates that kind of bubble for you that you are in and then it feeds you from its channel that we call Bayuali, then you get to receive what is called an ID. That's why you speak about ID entity, identity, okay, in English. So once you get your ID, then uh, the earth will have to manifest your identity with uh, the rest of the celestial body within the universe. Because somehow the earth is understood to also be within the universe and then has a relation with the rest of the celestial body. And then they have a way to communicate and all of that. So the dialogue that will be happening between the earth, let's say maybe between the earth and the moon, if the earth feels like uh, you are very well connected in your bubble, energetic bubble that it creates for you, then the earth will use you as an antenna to communicate with the moon. And the moon will use you as well to communicate with, uh, you know. So whatever energy the earth will be projecting through you, we will call it, you know, the energy of the Bayouali. So it carries all of the information about you. And then that information about you is not just about you in this life. It's about you in all of the lives that you walk on earth. Wow. The earth doesn't forget you. If you were here a thousand years ago, and then uh, you were born in India, and then uh, you were, you know, for a darker skin, and then you were a man, you were a woman. So the earth has still have those memories within its memory that it kind of, you know, project through you. That allows you now to reconnect with yourself and then uh, find the purpose, the goal, why you came back, and then allow you wow. now to be able to connect. So the other one is called Yenu. Yenu is uh, actually, if the moon decides to communicate with uh, the earth, the moon will communicate with the earth through you at the same time because the earth trusts you. So the earth will make sure that, you know, the moon uses you to communicate, right? So you have people, we say in our culture that for a human being to die, it has to be that your Yenu and your Bayouali is uh, disconnected. 
That's the only way a human being will die. That's why it takes more than a sickness to say that someone died. Sometimes less than a sickness, a human being will die. An accident can kill someone. Someone drinking just water can die from that. Someone just eating, you know, the food can also die from that. If you have three people in a, in the car and then those three people got into in the car accident, and then you see one person to die, and actually maybe everybody will die in a car accident, and then you see one person who's left, who's not gonna die. That's because that person by Riley is still strong, right? And then, uh, or maybe a baby. There's always in the history of humanity, you can check that like uh, anytime there are like uh, natural disasters, or there's like an incident, there's an like incident or, you know, accident or anything like that. The babies are always protected. The babies don't, you know, finish in those realities, those incidents or accidents. They are protected because within their energy core, they are new to the earth, and then the earth is still in need of them to use them. Mm. So the Bayouali, the earth will use the Bayouali to communicate that the earth does not trust human beings because we move a lot. You know, it takes the earth a lot of work. It's almost like a headache for the earth to follow us and then keep following us and all of that, each one of us human beings. And the earth will trust the animals more than human beings. That's why the animals have a, a higher sense. That's why any animal, you know, they use their senses and their senses are so developed that they don't have the speech because the earth is using them a lot. And then uh, the earth also will trust the plants, the trees, because they don't, they never move. From the time a plant grows, it's still there until he dies. It doesn't move. And then the mountains, you know, and then the rivers and the hills and all of that. Ah, uh, no wonder the plants always maintain their intelligence. Exactly. They don't get disconnected. They don't get disconnected. And that's why even in uh, those who kind of judge the indigenous ways of, you know, worshiping where we worship hills, we worship mountains, we worship plants, we worship, you know, rivers, we worship powers in nature, like, a, you know, tiger, panther, and all of that. It's because we acknowledge the divine creation, divine manifestation through those realities. And because we understand that the earth, you know, does not really trust us because we move too much, then uh, anytime we want to worship, we choose a, in the village, the biggest tree in the village, and we all there, and then the oldest, and then we all go to worship. We don't know why you're still here, but somehow the earth trusts you, the divine powers also trust you, that's why you're still here. So we have this wish that we want, you know, to go through you, to reach the divine. So we use them as also as antenna. So we prefer using something that the earth is using as a perfect communication channel to also use that and do that. So every human being who's born in our culture comes with a name. And uh, the name will be extracted from that energy that we call Bayouali. Mm -hmm. So your identity, mm -hmm. your ID will be pulled from the Bayouali that the earth created for you, the bubble that the earth created for you. So when you hear my name, Irita, Irita will be the meaning that was given to me by the earth, right, from the earth energy readings. And then my name will mean the companion or the friend of the earth. But the extent meaning of it is like someone who cares about the preservation of, uh, you know, things on earth and all of that.
And then uh, you will see many other people, children, every child who is born, get their name, you know, pulled from the earth. That carries the identity at the same time, like the destiny they came to live and all of that. So anytime I respond to, you say my name, I respond, Nam, I respond, yes. Like uh, you're reminding me of my destiny. You activating, mm-hmm. you activating through the sounds and the vibration of the speech, you activating things within me that the earth already kind of encrypted in me. Oh man, you're unlocking some interesting stuff for me because at some point I chose to have what's called a a stage name. I shifted from my birth name to a different name to utilize for my public work. And now I'm married for the first time and there's been a really cool shift I've been tuning into in terms of like, what name because you know now that i'm here in this incarnation and this part of my evolution and the different resonances of the names it's it's um making more sense to me now okay is there anything you can share about the pyramids like are you allowed to tell us the truth of how they were constructed or the real meaning behind them anything at all (laughs) the i know the whole world is uh you know on that now and uh, trying to understand how all of those big realities were, you know, established by the great spirit, great ancestors, you know, even to the point where some do- for us, the Dogon people say most of the things that we achieved, you know, we weren't receiving the credit and they say it was given to us by aliens. Also, we feel proud if the alien chose us and then not someone else but us, our people, to give those predispositions and you know wisdom and all of that we might have been doing something good something great that impressed them uh, there's only one way to understand the manifestation that we call the pyramids you name it stone edge all of the other pyramids in uh, you know in mexico everywhere you see them there's uh, something that has to be understood and there's only one way you will never be able to understand it from the modern perspective. No way. You will never be able to understand from modern perspective. The, you know, history channel, you know, discovery channel, you know, national geography. If they want to really decrypt and understand those realities and then have an idea of what, how, and what for, they have to go from uh, the, you know, indigenous perspective. They have to go from uh, natural and indigenous perspective because it's not about technology. The modern technology will never be able to perceive that. First of all, the modern technology doesn't go past the three dimension. It goes, yeah, it just the limit of it is like 3D. It doesn't go past that. But whatever was built then were built from the perspective of all bigger, higher dimension to be able to you know, resonate to other realities that exist within all of the other dimensions. In the nature, there is a few things you will see in nature that represents the manifestation of the gods. In our realities where we come from, most of the things that we have are almost the manifestation of the divine power or the great spirit. We haven't changed it. We didn't force ourselves to change those. We didn't we live our life where we humble ourselves to those realities. We didn't decide to change the course of a river. We didn't go moving forward trying to 
destroy, you know, the heal because we're looking for gold or diamond or uranium within them. We didn't cut down the trees, the big forests that way. We don't do that. So somehow we allow ourselves to be the student of nature. And allowing ourselves to be the student of nature, nature also will see you as a, a friend, as a, a child, as a, mm -hmm. a student, as mm -hmm. a disciple of nature. And nature will teach you and will manifest its hidden reality to you. If you, the same people are trying to understand the modern, I mean, the, those pyramids and all of that now, are the same people that somehow decided to destroy the nature over here, meaning like becoming the terrorists of nature. And then uh, by destroying all of those things, we cannot destroy something and then uh, try to understand it after we destroy it. Mm. It doesn't make sense. It's better to understand it before you destroy it. And then, uh, you know, I think you have an understanding. So we were, uh, everything, the modern civilization, modern society in the, uh, their fever of uh, showing the world like we are the biggest, we are the strongest and all of that. They forgot that, you know, certain things are not spoken. Certain things don't get to be talked about and you have to take the experience. The pyramid were built using only natural laws. It wasn't any alien that came to help build. It wasn't any machine involved, it's just natural laws, simply. But to be able to understand those natural laws, you have to really understand what nature is, which is a, like a, a rare commodity right now in a, in the modern society, where like modern civilization, where we all don't care about nature anymore. We even will go as far as destroying it to be able to make our life be easy. Why were they built? They were just uh, what we call tombs. The pyramid were just simply were just tombs. In that culture, at that moment, that civilization, a human being who comes to manifest their spirit, where their spirit kind of get to change or affect many people's life on the planet. When you die, we build something for you that does not finish, which means like your spirit, whatever was the manifestation, Whatever was the effect that your spirit had on people, because you are detached of your body does not mean that your spirit is gone. So we need to manifest that by making sure that, you know, something like that is built where the spirit is, uh, that's why we mummify the body so that the spirit will still identify that the body that it used to live in is still somewhere preserved. And the spirit can go and come back and go and come back and go and come back. When we have the concept of the opening of uh, the mouth, which means like we entering into communication with uh, the dead. Not like the dead waking up to talk to us, but somehow the spirit of the dead coming and then taking the body, possessing the body and then communicating with us because we don't want it to go and then not come back. Mm -hmm. So when you created that, uh, what does that do? That brings the concept of magnetic force at the same time. Where like uh, the in, inside the pyramid, there's some stuff that I kept in there, which allowed that spirit to go out and then uh, kind of uh, experience other realities within the universe mm -hmm. and then come back. And then when it comes back, it comes back to teach us. 
So you don't want to call our ancestor spirit as an alien because it's a technology that was developed where we understood that when we are in this body, we are limited by time and space. So we can't really manifest too much. It's only when we are in the mm. spirit that we can manifest something. So being in the spirit, we also created a technology where like you can send the spirit to go to planet Mars. And then that spirit will come back and they'll possess someone's body and then manifest and tell you what he went and saw and what he discovered and then what to do to be able to replenish that or you know reproduce that on in your life and all of them. So the pyramid were really mm-hmm. the perfect place where that communication can happen, almost like the gate of the gates. So through the pyramid, the gate of the pyramid, any spirit that's buried over there is still part of our life. It's still part of our life in the way that he goes, do whatever he has to do, and come back and then teach us. Goes, do what to do, and come back and teach us. So we didn't start by, it's not like that civilization started with uh, big pyramids like how we see them today. No, they started with like a small, you know, stuff that they went. And then from generation to generation, they keep making it bigger, bigger, bigger. So we have the concept of, uh, you know, the jingli, which is called the jingli because it's almost like an energetic or magnetic point in uh, everyone's house or in every village or in every city or in every country. That at that moment in during that civilization, people know that this is the gate. If you want to, mm. if you want to manifest your spirit and all of that, this is the gate that you have to come close to. So through that gate, your spirit is allowed to leave the body and then go do what it has to do and then come back. So we started with uh, you know just putting like rocks, you know, put your small rocks and all of that, and then I do the ritual and ceremony that needs to be done. And then I become like an energetic point where you meet with the other reality. And then, uh, you know, as we go, then they start becoming small, bigger, bigger, bigger. And then uh, every pharaoh or every high priest that come will be like, okay, mine, you know, I want mine to be this way. And then uh, they will give the intelligence to build it and then it will be built. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That makes so much sense. My last little tiny question that I promise we're done is what you described is different than when I had a somewhat recent experience where my consciousness, an aspect of me, I was on a mothership and I was docked at this planet. I later found some people really believe exists called Nibiru or Nibiru. And me doing that and having that experience is different than the experience you just described, Yeah, uh, that experience that you have is uh, what we will call the vision of the spirit, your spirit traveling to discover. Because even those gates will not be open to you if your spirit is not ready to penetrate there. All right? So what I'm just discovering, what I'm just uh, explaining is almost like a technology. It's a, a technology, it's a science, it's something that no one, where like we put this and this and this and this, it will happen. You okay. know, it's conscious. But when, when you're yep, sleeping, yep, yep. you know, your consciousness goes to sleep and then it's like your subconscious now that allow the spirit to do all of that. And then when you wake up, you remember it, you know, that's like, a, you know, 
So yeah, we all have that. Sometimes we call them dreams. Sometimes we call them a vision and all of the other things we call it. But this technique is like a, a technique that has been preserved. And we say preserved. It's not that technique where we intend to do communication with the invisible. Mm. Okay, beautiful. Okay, well, thank you so much. I look forward to, you know, taking some of the meditation courses and initiations and things. Your foundation is called Earth Center, is that right? The EarthCenter.org? Yeah, the EarthCenter.org. And then we have a sister organization that's uh, called uh, ANH. So you go www.anhlife.org. A-N-H. A-N-H Life. NHLife.org. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, on uh, Instagram, you look for Kepta, you find, uh, you know, us, or you look for ANH, you find us, or you just type my name, Naba, and then it will link you to all of those, you know. Perfect. Yeah. I started following the Kepta on uh, Instagram. Instagram. And like I said, I ordered some books and things from the earthcenter.org. So I'll, of course, put all of those links and websites in the show notes and on my Instagram post when this yeah. episode airs so people can easily find. And Naba's name is spelled N-A-B-A. So Correct. if you want to search for him there. Okay, it's finally time. Thank you for your generosity and all of your shares of this ancient wisdom. And um, I'll let you take it to close out from here. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for really listening. Alison, thank you for having me. And for every spirit that is really, really, really a cultural and a revolutionary spirit that's now working on this planet, it's time for us to really answer the call. It's time for us to answer the call because, you know, without us really having the courage to answer the call, the next generations may suffer. The next generation may struggle a lot. And we have to really play the parts. We have to really come together and play the part that that needs to be played. And everybody is a part of a puzzle, a piece of a puzzle. And we all bringing our pieces together will allow us to see the world that we want to see, will allow us to see the you know humanity that we want to see. We want our humanity to be back. We want peace in every places where you know there's war, there's hatred, now there's fight. Now we want peace. We want peace. We want also, you know, abundance. Wherever you know there's now hunger, people suffering, all of that. We want abundance to everyone. We want all of the manifestation, the positive manifestation of the power of Mother Earth and uh, the powers of uh, you know nature to really manifest and then bring the harmony. Right now, we're really facing the climate change, and then uh, somehow our politicians are talking about climate change caused by you know whatever we do. But we also need to find solution to bring the climate, you know, our climate, our nature to harmonize itself, and then connect ourselves to her powers and then allow ourselves to really move forward in uh, harmony with uh, all of the powers that exist. And anywhere there are no disease, sicknesses, everybody suffering, those suffering with uh, all kinds of sicknesses that somehow indigenous people may not have the medicine or they already have the medicine or the you know med- modern medical may not have the medicine or have the medicine. We want anything that those people, those people will take, those people will receive to really receive the blessing at the same time of the healing, to really receive the healing 
that is uh, we didn't do medicine. Whether scientists, whether you know traditional indigenous people, we all you know are fighting for the preservation of life. And I pray that through your show, that one day, one day, the modern you know realities, the modern powers will understand that tradition cannot be disregarded. The child cannot disregard the father. The child cannot disregard the mother. And at some point, have to go back with humility, with discipline to ask the indigenous people and their enlightened spirit to be able to really bring about that solution that we need. And to that. Ah, Ashe, thank you so much. And when I was listening to you, um, could you speak your mother's name? I just want to honor her too. My mother's name is Uro Bele Tene. Ah, Thank you very much. It just felt important to bring her in and to bring the the divine feminine energy in to close it out. So, and thank you. I'm just speaking aloud. Thank you to uh, your complete lineage and your ancestry for your bravery, your courage, your willingness, your generosity, thousands of years after thousands of years um, to bring us to this point where you're sharing back with us so we can all get reconnected to Origin Seed again as a one humanity. It's for all of us. Thank you for your time and thank you to the Soul Fam joining us and we will sit together again next time. Thank you. Woo-wee, what a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.